man, and once you've greeted someone with a smile, amen, and got a salutation back, you may be seated. So good to see everyone at New Life today. Them hugs are worth it, aren't they? Don't want to miss that. That's one way heaven comes to earth. It's how we embrace one another. We're embracing him. Amen. Well, um, this week, I have the honor of introducing someone to you that's going to uh, cover someone else that's going to minister today. While I was musing over how to do this, this week my wife comes into the living room. We try to have coffee every morning together. Amen. And she asked me, are you carrying the message this week? And I said, no, but I am trying to figure out how God wants me to introduce it this week. And I told her who it was, and I said, oh, she immediately responded, voice of God. You need to have Dan introduce his wife this week. Well, I'll, I was hearing that, but then I heard it. Thank you, honey, for obeying the Spirit, confirming. So I'd invite Dan to come up if he would today because he's going to do the honors of introducing, amen, someone that his Father in heaven loves dearly. And I, I'm going to say it this way. To everyone, men, you have with you, if, if you're in a covenant relationship with your wife, that's daddy's daughter. Men, catch this because you can please God and serve her well. I'll say that one more time. You can, men, you can please God by serving her well because she is so powerful. And daddy loves his daughters. And by the word, by the way, even, even though the scripture gives us indication of how they should handle themselves in the church, he gave them the ability to speak lots more words than us guys. Which might be a problem at times, but Dan, thank you for allowing your wife to be a part Amen, of New Life Fellowship. You've done it. And we watched her, the elders, the elders' wives, which are elders, and the leadership of this house has observed Shireen over the last several years. But uh, she became a part of the speaking group, and she's been faithful in 21 days of prayer. And you can't help but notice when the hand of God is on someone, and you say, yes, Lord. He knows how to put his princess on display and he has spoke through her and it has impacted this house and we just couldn't go without giving her the opportunity which is painful for her to do and be obedient is carry a Sunday like this is no small matter but it's because you were faithful Dan, to cover her and you gave me permission and I don't take that lightly and you gave the house permission to take advantage of daddy's daughter and the gifting in her life. And keep in mind, her faithfulness is what makes her gifting so effective. Thank you, Dan. And so to Dan today, he gets to introduce the one that he pleases God by covering today. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Now, how do you follow that? Okay, just bring her up. What am I doing up here? Some of y'all know me. My name is Dan Wine. I've been a life changer here for a while. My family's been coming here for a while. Um, my wife has been very, very blessed to have such an ear for what God is saying, not just for his word, but what the spirit is actually trying to let us know. And um, in the 18 years that I've been married to her and, and God's given her to me to be her covering, it's been such a blessing. Um, and I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today in life without her, and I would not have led my family as far as I have without her. So uh, without any further ado, it honors me to have you welcome my wife, Shireen. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, good morning. Um, can you adjust the video color so my face isn't as red as it probably is? <laughs> you guys, I, I feel so um, humbled and grateful to be able to just share God's heart with you today. Um, I got to tell you, so leading up to this morning, um, I mean, the, you know, God cooks things in you for a while. And so what I'm going to talk to you about today is me really. This is, this is what God's been dealing with me on, but I know I can't be the only one, so I know it will bless you if you are ready to receive. But leading up to this morning, I got to tell you, especially this past week, um, the devil's been after me. And, you know, I was talking about spiritual warfare, and God bless my son. He took it very literally and uh, started... <laughs> He's like, don't do it, Mom. Yesterday, he got out his machete. He's ready to go to battle with the devil, and he cut off a part of his finger. <laughs> but God bless him. He's like, Mom, I'm ready to support you. We got our weapons and everything. Um, but so we had fun yesterday going to the emergency room and um, trying to find his finger. You know, I, a phrase I never thought I'd say, Phoenix, help me find your brother's finger. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, but you guys, me, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about me this morning. But what I've been in recently is a war. And how many of you ever felt like you're in a battle? You walk in here today, maybe feeling like you're in a battle. Um, but we talk about war, warfare, especially spiritual warfare. We tend to think of, you know, fighting this battle outside of ourselves. You know, you have on your, your armor of God. If you've been in scripture that, you know, putting on the armor of God, your helmet of salvation, your breastplate of righteousness, all these. And, and you, you look at all these things outside of yourself thinking, okay, I've got to battle for, you know, for my family. I've got to battle the, the sickness. I've got to battle these situations happening around me. But what I would propose to you this morning is that um, war may be something different than you've thought of before. And I, I, God brought this, um, this reference. Have you ever seen the Braveheart movie? The, the famous scene where he's, freedom! Yeah? Okay. Are y'all awake? Do me a favor. I want everybody to get your battle cry and tell me, freedom! freedom! Okay, you're awake. Okay. Get some more coffee if you need it. All right. So you've seen that movie. And, he, and he's getting these people, any battle movie, but this one is just famous. So he's getting them riled up. He's like, there's an enemy over there. He wants to oppress you. He wants to kill you. You have been living in misery, and our freedom has been taken from us. Are you ready to die for freedom today? And these guys are not like, hmm, I'd rather stay enslaved. Thanks. I'll go home. They are riled up, too. They're like, yeah. And even as a woman, okay, because I feel like sometimes that's a guy thing, like getting geared up for battle. Like Liam, like I probably wouldn't have been flipping a machete and getting all excited. But as a guy, but no, as a woman, like, oh, my God, I feel that deep within me. Everybody wants freedom. So you get riled up, like, freedom, yeah, I'm going to go to spiritual battle. And you ride up to your enemy, and they have your face. Your enemy has your face on. And so this brings me to a scripture. So you're looking at an enemy. You're not about to go stab them when they have your face on. You're like, hold up. My enemy is me? What are you talking about, Shereen? So in Ephesians chapter 6, 12 through 13, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Y'all heard that scripture before? So I'm looking at this scripture, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been Christian all my life. I've heard this scripture a million times. 
And so I'm like, okay, yes, God, yeah, we, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But what does high places mean? So me being a linguistics nerd, I'm like, okay, high places. What, what is that exactly? So um, in the Old Testament, high places were where um, altars were built, where God dwelt, and he was worshipped. And eventually, um, the high place became the temple, the temple, and all the other high places at the time became obsolete, and everybody came to that high place, that temple. Well, we know in the New Covenant, um, we become the temple of God. And so that, that temple in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing for God taking up residency in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So we are the high place. That's another way to look at that scripture. We are the high place. So looking at that scripture again, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If I have spiritual wickedness in a high place, and, and in Jeremiah it talks about how the heart is desperately wicked. And so we have a new picture of what um, this scripture might be telling us. Not to negate that there's spiritual battles happening outside of us and the devil working in different areas, but to look at this really means to address the root of the issue and everything that I feel is happening around me. If I'm struggling with something in a situation, my job, with my family, whatever it may be, and I'm, I'm going to my spiritual warfare, my prayer closet, and I'm praying for all these things, but I'm not addressing the potential spiritual wickedness inside my own self, I'm not effective. So I want to take this up another notch. And... Um, you might be feeling beaten down, but there, there's hope coming. But look, in Romans chapter 8, 6 through 7, it says, The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So what is the word flesh mean here? And, and I want to be specific because we just read a scripture that said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Well, there's a reason it paired it with blood. We're not talking about a physical person. We don't wrestle against people, okay? And so, but flesh here means something a little bit different. The mind of the flesh, what does that mean? Flesh is the part of you that hates limitations, that is the part of you that abuses freedom. It hates being told what to do. It hates being dependent on other people. It justifies sin. So that was me yesterday. <laughs> so, look, we all battle that, right? The, everybody can relate to all of those things that I just listed. And so when we talk about the flesh being hostile toward God, we're talking about an aggressive, angry, strongly opposed to God. Okay, there is a part of us that is inclined towards that, that specifically when we talk about flesh is our sin nature. I'm the only one that has that, I guess. <laughs> no, you do too. Okay, good. I'm not alone. So if the mind of the flesh is hostile towards God and it can't submit, does it not stand to reason that the battleground which you're doing spiritual warfare is right here? So why is that? We have, we don't just have the flesh nature, so here's the whole part. We also have a spirit man. 
And so what you battle with is your, your spirit and your flesh warring in your members. And, he, and here's the thing. You're feeling like, okay, I can relate to this. What do I do about it? I'm going to propose to you that the reason for this struggle is because you don't know who you are. If, if my flesh that is hostile toward God cannot submit to God, and that's the side that I'm holding hands with, but I, I want to walk in freedom, how do I do that? I'm in chains with the part of me that's partnering with lies of what the sin nature of me is saying. So, in identity... Think about this. In our culture, do, do we have an identity crisis in our culture? Would you agree with that? Okay, I can identify as a cat nowadays, okay? And you're supposed to buy me a litter box if I say that. <laughs> and pat me on the head and say, okay, meow. Okay, is that crazy? That's craziness, but what? But that's real. Like, that is a sincere thing where we see in our culture there is a craving for knowing who I am, where I fit in, who can I connect to, a community to be a part of, how, how do I connect in relationship with other people? And it is a desperate cry for identity in our culture. Why is that? That's because Satan actually has no power, none. until you give it to him. Scripture says Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. Okay? If, if Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, and we see him at work today, we'll be inclined to be like, mm, Jesus, did you really know? Did you forget a, a step in your, your plan of action? Did you miss a part? Because <laughs> I, I see him working. I see him wreaking havoc everywhere. So did you lie? No. <laughs> no, he didn't lie. So what does that mean? If Jesus destroyed the works of the enemy, how is he still working today? So we, you have been given power through sonship. When you were given his name, you were given the authority that that name carries. So on the cross, he dies. That was the act that says, you are reconciled to me. And not only that, but you were adopted and you now carry a mantle of authority with my name. You're the one with the power. You have it, not Satan. So what does that mean when he's working in your life? And you're like, well, apparently he has some power. He's a usurper of power. He took it from you. And he operates in the absence of identity. Because if you forgot who you are and the authority you carry, nah, he set himself up on the throne. And the flesh part of you that's inclined away from God is all about that. So a mind governed by the flesh is hostile. If God's word is truth, then anything opposed to truth is a lie. Every lie you buy into about yourself is directly rooted in what you believe about God. You're at war with your flesh. The weapon is lies. The prize is your identity. That's how important knowing who we are is and how we destroy through Christ the works of the enemy. So what is the truth then? We don't, we're done with lies, right? Would we agree at this point? Like, okay, I don't want to partner with Satan. I don't want him at the throne on the throne of my life. So what do I do about it? Who am I? <clears throat> so Pastor um, gave a message some time ago, and, and 
It stuck with me forever. I told him it's going to be on my tombstone. It will have a different meaning, maybe. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. I don't know if that's on my tombstone, what that means anymore, but I love it. So it's going to be there. Um, But he used, you know, Air Force One um, arriving in another country. And the announcement is, hey, you know, the president has arrived or this airplane has arrived. It's the United States of America has arrived. Because that is a representation of the entire country, our president or whatever ambassador they represent the entire country. And so with, with the kingdom principle here, if, if, if God resides here, wherever I go, the kingdom has arrived. If I step my foot here, whoop, the kingdom of God has arrived right here today, right now. And that stuck with me. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was good. It was good then. It's good now. So the kingdom of heaven has arrived. I'll walk into Walmart. <laughs> The kingdom of heaven has arrived at Walmart. Y'all get ready. So, so when he says this, I'm like, yeah, that's so good. God shows me a picture of um, the scene in the Old Testament with Moses at the burning bush. And wow, guys, I never looked at this story this way. But so <clears throat> Moses is out tending sheep. He sees this burning bush. Like, hmm, what's that about? Let me go see. So he goes over there, and then he sees this, this bush on fire, and God just starts speaking out of this bush. Tells him, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Okay? And he starts telling, he starts giving Moses a mission. And I'm sure while God is talking about all these wild things, he's asking Moses, are you going to deliver all these people? And he just got back from sheep, and he's like, me? And he literally said, who am I to do this? Who am I, God? So God starts telling him who he is. Subsequently, Moses then says, well, okay, who am I going to tell him sent me? And God answers with something that it was really weird. (laughs) He says, I am who I am. He says, tell him, I am sent you. And so, you know, there's even songs written with this phrase in it, and you're singing it, and you're like, I know it means something great, but what does that even mean? And I'm like, this is horrible grammar, Lord. (laughs) What do you mean, I am sent me? This is um, interesting when I dug into it, in that scholars... Uh, interpreted this as the literal meaning being God being present. So there's a couple things I want to bring to the surface here. So Moses is forced by way of this statement when he goes to these powerful people who he feels like, who am I? He's forced to say, I am. And that moment... God instilled in him and put on him a mantle of authority to say, I am. He is who he is. I am who I am. Now, the second part of this, oh, y'all, this is just getting started. The second part of this, okay, now, God being present. Okay, I, I found this neurological study done on the brain where the part of your brain that is responsible for forming your idea of who you are, your identity, is only activated and and firing up when you are at rest. Not sleep, but just being present. Literally, this is science. Your brain forms your idea of who you are when you are just being present. Who are you being present with then? I am who I am. Here's a third part of this actually just clicked with me yesterday. When we take our shoes off, I tell you to come to my house, come on in, sit a spell, take your shoes off. That's, that's a symbol of, of relaxation, right? I'm, I'm getting ready to rest and relax. And before God would talk to Moses about who he is, he made him take his shoes off. It's also a sign of surrender. 
uh, we become vulnerable, right? Especially when we're talking about battle. You don't go into battle without your shoes, right? But I'm going to go into battle knowing who I am and in that surrendering and just being present with God. So in this amazing moment with Moses and God in this bush, Moses is getting a download of who he is by just being present and surrendering in that moment. And all the things that he felt inadequate about um, were irrelevant. God was hearing none of it. Who am I? You are who I said. Who sent me? I am. You are. And you're going to say, I am. So how much more so do we have the authority to say, I am, because he is through Christ's sacrifice. He became sin, and we were baptized in his name, in resurrection. We are in him, and he is in us. We are his hands, his feet, his body. We say, I am, because he is. Who am I? I am. Yes, you've got it. So in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We become his righteousness. We become I am. So you're probably thinking, I don't really feel all that powerful. Um, this is great what you're saying, but I, I don't really feel it all that much. And, and I can relate to that. There's a daily struggle where, you know, I fail. I fail at, at being who God called me to be. Um, you know, people will tend to look at somebody standing up on, here on the platform and think that they have it all together. Um, they're so spiritual. Um, there's a lot of times on the way here, because y'all drive a really long way, and 35 is stupid. And <laughs> there's a lot of people that make me mad. I, 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 my flesh wins out a lot of times um, on 35. And uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to say I'm not really always operating. But, but in all honesty, we fail. And so nobody's calling you to perfection. And God knew exactly who he was dying for on the cross. And he knew all the stupid that I, I would do. And he still said, my name. And he still died for me. And, and that's the most freeing thing, I think, for me when I think about that. Because I'll do stupid and then go hide my head in the sand and feel so beat up, forget who I am. And as soon as I partner with a lie about who I am, Satan is right there slipping his little toe in the door so that I can't close it. And every lie that I partner with strengthens the next lie. So if I'm having a bad day, and I haven't been spending time with Jesus so he can tell me who I am and remind me. Y'all, I'm dumb. I have to be reminded every day. If y'all have it together, let me know because I have to be reminded every day. Uh, if I spend even a week, you know, not spending time with God, I done forgot everything. And I'm just uh, sitting in my uh, diapers, like Pastor would say, in the corner. Like I've just completely reverted to this ridiculous baby pooping on myself. And um, so... <laughs> I'm having a bad day. I've partnered with one little lie, one little lie. You know, let me just give you an example. I work from home, sitting at my desk. Uh, I wake up in the morning. I have a routine. Oh, Pastor, I didn't know I was going to be talking about coffee today. This just came. <laughs> Maybe this is <laughs> I go to get my coffee, and I come out, and, the, and my kids do their chores at night before bed. So I spend all day in a messy house just to have it clean while I'm asleep. But say lovey. So. It's, it's all clean. It's supposed to be clean. So, but I, I go to bed, I wake up, and I just want to go get my coffee and, and get my day started. And before I can make my coffee, I notice that there's crumbs on the counter. And, okay, let me clean that up. And then, okay, well, oh, my gosh, I just 
stepped in dog food. Okay, let me sweep that up. Okay, let me get my coffee cup. Okay. Oh, my God, they did not clean. This is gunk. Okay, all right, where's the clean coffee cup? Okay. Oh, my God, I'm out of creamer. Phoenix Rose, she literally just drinks coffee creamer like it's milk. Okay, I'm done. And, and so the first part of my day, I'm now like, I hate all of you in this house. I have no love for anybody. And so then the kid wakes up and I'm like, hey, <laughs> no good morning. There's no happiness in this household. They don't even know what they did. I'm like, why is all of this like this? I got to go to work. Good for nothing. And they're just like, okay, mom. Okay, so my day's getting started. I've partnered with lie. Do you see the lie yet? Right? I feel like my frustration is with my household, but it's really my own attitude. And I didn't love on my kid when they woke up. I yelled at them. So there's my day getting started. And because of that, I probably will not spend time with God because I'm too mad, and I've got stuff to do. I've got a report over here. I've got a meeting over here. This employee's making me mad over here. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, everybody leave me alone. I'm done for the day. And then I'll go to bed and be like, oh, Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for another day. Please help me have a good day tomorrow. And I'm done. This is real, guys. I'm not even exaggerating. This is me quite often, and I recognize when I'm in this funk, everybody else around me tends to be the, the offense, especially my family. I love you. I'm so sorry that you have to put up with me, but thank you for loving me. Um, but who can relate to this? Okay? This is real. So, so... Paul is going to tell us something, and I cannot say this any better than him, so I am just going to read what he said, and, and we'll probably need an altar call, like, immediately, but let me just tell you what Paul said. So in Romans chapter 7, he says, I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. Because if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, and then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is right there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? <laughs> the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the fateful dilemma is resolved. 
those who enter into Christ's being here for us, no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust in God's actions in them find that God's spirit is in them. Living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. So, I think Paul said it very succinctly. I want to do good, and I don't. I know what's right, and I don't do it. There's a part of me that delights in, in God's word and his law, and then there's a part of me that doesn't. There's a warring in your members every day. So how do I walk in freedom when this isn't going to go away? Because I'm going to tell you, there's not a day I'm going to wake up one day and my flesh is going to be like, man, she's so spiritual, I give up. Flesh, lay down and die, spirit wins, it's good. That's not going to happen. So what, what does that mean for us? When we talk about spiritual warfare and how it's right here in this, in this high place that God has said, you are so precious to me, I want to live there. So don't feel beat up that there's this part of you that's like hostile to, to God. He knew that part of you was there and he still moved in when you asked him. So understand what I'm saying and don't feel like, okay, don't partner with the lie right now that I'm not good enough. Because you're talking to me, Shireen, and I really messed it up. And I know I did. And I'm relating to what you're saying. I'm not good enough. Ah, no, that's the lie. That's a lie. Don't hold hands with the lie. Don't let Satan set up a, a camp on the throne of your mind when God is saying, ah, I'm right here. I tell you who you are. I tell you, I am who I am. I have given you an identity to operate in power, and some of you don't even know what that looks like, but it's there. It's right there. He is simply waiting for one thing. He's waiting for you to surrender. I'm going to tell you something. You can't surrender what doesn't belong to you. Are you ready to die for freedom? Dying to self. This part of me that's hostile, I don't like him. I don't like him. But it's real. And I fall prey to partnering with lies far too often than I want to admit because I got to tell you, I want to love people the way that God wants me to love. I want to love my family the way that God wants me to love them. I want to operate in my job the way God's called me to operate. I want to operate here in the house the way God's called me to operate. But when I go home and I have a bad day, and, and I have a bad day for a month, and all of a sudden I find myself laying in a pig pen, crying, why, God, why am I here? What am I doing here? Are you tired of being sick and tired? Are you tired of depression 
getting a hold of you? Are you tired of your finances depressing you, giving you anxiety, debt crushing you, relationships tearing you apart, illnesses making you say, God, I can't. Children frustrating you, cutting their fingers off. I love you, Liam. I told him I worked really hard for nine months to, to create all of that. Please don't chop anything else off. <laughs> Guys, I am right. This, I'm telling you this because of this entire summer, I have been battling this. And I, you've heard me up here. If you were here, you've heard me talk about, like, the thought life. And then I went and battled it, and I, and I felt like I was losing. This is real. And you can't take for granted. So I want to tell you something. Again, what was happening with Moses to be able to do what he did? He was spending time with God. Do not neglect. Look, you don't have to say this flowery prayer. Okay, prayer is not, okay, no. We're not meditating and, 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 and doing all these weird things that you think you've got to, okay, I've got to set up this closet. You know, I've got to, you know, I've got to be by myself, right? Because it, I'm never by myself. Y'all, so I would never pray if I had to be by myself. And, and I've got to do this. I've got to, you know have to be clothed, like I can't pray to God when I'm naked, like y'all, the rules and regulations that we put on ourselves is ridiculous, like I never, he just wants relationship, I, I don't put conditions on, so my husband seen me at my worst and messiest, and when I need him, he's just there, he's just there, and he'll pick me up in my mess and love me, and I, I'll say, oh no, you can't love me right now, I can't be with you, I haven't brushed my teeth, Okay, it's just silliness. So when we're talking about spending time with God, this is, this is how you pray without ceasing. Because Scripture says that. Has anybody ever wondered, like, how in the world am I supposed to pray without? Yeah, <laughs> I have to. Like, God, that's a, that's a lot. Like, I got I to make money. I got to cook dinner. Like, what do you want from me? So you pray without ceasing because prayer, this is a whole nother. I, I Take that up another time. The prayer is a whole other sermon by itself, but I'm just going to tell you, spending time with God, that, that is prayer. It's just being with him. And so shifting your heart towards God at any moment. So if I'm having that bad day where I got up and all this is just, it ain't right. And, I, and, I, and this has happened too, where I just recognize, like, I really don't want to have a bad day. So before I do anything else, I'm going to stop Take a deep breath. God, I need you right now. And, I, and, and just beginning to thank him. Oh, my gosh, thank you, Jesus, that I have coffee this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that my kids are here. They're whole. Not necessarily now. <laughs> I'll have to change up that thing. Well, he's still alive. Thank you, God. Thank you. And that... that shift of gratitude and just being with God and then just letting his spirit flow over me. And in that, I can be typing and, you know, and doing whatever for work and he's talking to me about who I am and I'm empowered and all of a sudden all the frustrations kind of melt away. Look, it doesn't change the situation, right? Like Paul worshiped God in the prison cell. He didn't, his position, the circumstance didn't change, but his heart shifted. And when God tells you who you are, the battle becomes the blessing. And, and some of you may be praying for, you know, deliverance from things. How many times have you prayed for deliverance? <laughs> so if we're supposed to experience righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, and you're like, but why, why aren't I then? Because I know I ask God into my heart. He's here. He didn't lie. I asked him. He came. Why am I not walking in this? You've been delivered, but you're not experiencing what you feel like freedom should feel like. Is anybody there? So <clears throat> I want to remind you, God delivered Israel 
from Egypt. He, he delivered his people from slavery. But that wasn't the end goal. His goal wasn't just to deliver them out of something. Okay? He didn't deliver them and they're out in the desert. And he's like, all right. See ya. You're welcome. <clears throat> there was something else that, had, that he had planned they were given they they were told there was a promised land but god did not deliver the promised land to them they had to go take it they had to be ready to die to go take what god promised taking dominion is recognizing the mantle of authority you are powerful. Do not partner with a lie and let the enemy usurp your power so that you're walking frustrated and in chains talking about, oh, why can't I have freedom? Think about this. Taking the promised land and walking in what God had set aside for them, there was an act of violence that happened. Battle is violent. The cross was violent. And I want you to recognize the importance of this because walking in freedom is not a passive action. It's not something that happens to you. And I'm going to challenge you with this statement. Whatever's happening in your life that you, you've asked the question, God, why is this happening to me? It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Because it is through the battle that we get the blessing. There's nothing so miserable as a Christian who's trying to live lost. Are you ready to die today? Kill the flesh and take possession of the promise. God gave me this vision of this, this sailboat in the middle of the ocean. It was such a calm picture, but it, the, the ocean was calm and the boat was just, that sailboat was just sitting there. I thought, well, that's very peaceful, God. What does this mean? He says, well, what is a sailboat supposed to do? Well, it's supposed to kind of move you from one place to the next. So in this vision, the sailboat is not operating in its purpose so God asked me well what moves this sailboat it needs a source of power to move it <clears throat> well the wind moves it Lord what happens when a wind starts blowing on the ocean where a sailboat's sitting the the boat begins to rock now if you're a sailor and you're on this boat do you get scared you get excited because now you're getting to operate in your purpose. You're kind of just, you were sitting there like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then that wind kicks up and you're like, yes, yeah, let's get this. And there, I have no idea about sailor terminology, but they're getting the ropes and the sails and the mast and the buoy. I don't know, but you get the idea. They're getting excited and they're getting set up and, and this, this power is now moving them, but their boat is rocking but when they know who they are they are not afraid and they are operating in a way that only their identity can propel them to operate and they're only going to move when they're willing to let their boat rock if this is you stand to your feet if this is you this morning where you are saying 
I am ready to walk in freedom. If we could just stand to our feet. Because we're going to break off change this morning. Amen. We're making a decision today. Freedom! Freedom! I'm done! Walking in a lie that says I'm not enough. Who sent me? Who sent me? I am who I am. In Jesus' name, I declare the chains that have kept you bound in an identity that is not true are broken today. Your identity is not in your job. Your identity is not in the amount of money you have. It is not in your gender. It is not in your race. It is not in your parenthood. You have one source, and that's Jesus Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, take this opportunity this morning. This altar is open, and you are free. Though as the worship team comes out, our prayer team, guys, do not leave here like you came. Today, freedom is here, and you can take it by force. You can take dominion over what God says about who you are and who your family is. The treasures that he's placed in your life, they can start walking in freedom because they see you doing it. In Jesus' name, guess you are free to go. We want to honor your time this morning, but we are going to spend some time worshiping God. We are going to be engaged in battle this morning. So if you're ready to do battle, let's let God have his way.